This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Hello and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast where we hope to provide a place of connection, rest and encouragement for you on the journey of living out your passion and purpose in Jesus Christ just like us. Um, my name is Sister Miriam James, and I am joined, as always, by my dear friends, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. And we do have a special treat. You wouldn't know this, but we're actually all together, ladies. We're sitting on the same couch. It's a miracle. <laughs> it is a miracle. Recording. Drinking coffee together yes. in person. Yes. Except Sister Miriam. She's drinking I'm lemon drinking water. lemon water right now, which we'll talk about that later. But yeah. we're all together. It's a beautiful, sunny day mm-hmm. outside. It is. Yeah, we're it, great. We're in Washington State at Heather's Lake House, which mm-hmm. is beautiful, outside of Bellingham, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little chilly. I went to for the Florida girl. It's chilly. Girl. Okay, <laughs> I told her you have to be kind of tough to live up here. You got to be a Seriously. little rough around the edges. Like pioneering, baby, pioneering. <laughs> We're gonna buy her flannel shirt just Seriously. so she can fit lumberjack, in. baby, all about it. But it is gorgeous. It's stunning. Yeah. Like the view is beautiful, mm-hmm. and so um, and we're excited to be together. We are. We already crashed somebody's funeral this morning, mm-hmm. and <laughs> on accident, just yeah. like <laughs> we go to morning mass, thinking it's like oh, ten thirty morning mass. That seems kind of weird, but that's yeah. their regular daily mass time. And we go in, and there's the casket. We're, <laughs> We're like, do we stay? Do we go? We stayed. So we stayed at the funeral, and, and it, was it was beautiful. Be- it was beautiful. I was so. like, this is all about like our communal family. We're just praying for some woman we don't I know. know. It was actually really beautiful. It was beautiful, but interesting. We're. Yeah. At the beginning, we're it's, we're supposed to be reverent, and we're trying not to giggle because we're at a mass for a Crashing. funeral mass. For and then they're, they're trying to get us to sign the guest book. We're like, we're not guests. We're and just in, like, we just want to go pants and a sweatshirt at someone's funeral. But it was good. <laughs> yeah. It was all good. Yeah, uh, makes for good mm. memories. It does. Good yeah. memories. <laughs> So we're going to dive into uh, our second part, our second part of five on our series of the apostolic exhortation, the joy of the gospel. So last week we talked about the introduction in the first chapter about the church's missionary transformation. And today, ladies, it's going to do some heavy hitting, okay? Because the second chapter is about, it's titled, Amid the Crisis of Communal Commitment. And this is actually the chapter I was referring to last week when our professor had to stop and just do an examination of conscience. And even when I was reading this again the other day, it totally convicted me. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear your, because we haven't really talked about this, like your personal thoughts of what you thought just reading chapter two. Heather. Well, I, yeah, it was convicting. You read about all the things, the ways that society has um, affected us and changed us and influences us. And, you know, sometimes I think I'm doing pretty good. And then you read something like this, you're reminded all the ways of, wow, like we're so impacted by the environment that we're in. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to be in the world and not of it. It's very hard to not be swept away by, um, a lot of those temptations and views and ways of thinking and the stuff and putting Mm -hmm. meaning, um, into things that, that really aren't essential. So it was convicting for sure. Yeah. And I think it was powerful. Something about this part, the communal part, um, Pope Francis is a beautiful job of lovingly convicting us, calling Mm -hmm. us out, but also calling us on to hope. Like Mm -hmm. it was a both and he did a really good job of living in that tension of like, okay, here are the ways that we fall short 
are things that we need to be aware of. Like it was really good to put guardrails up for Mm -hmm. us to say, okay, this is the road that we need to be on as Mm -hmm. faithful uh, Christian Catholics, you know, that we need to be about community, that we need not to be, I love that he calls them selfish sloths. And um, Mm -hmm. one of my other things, he uses the word sour pusses. I think that is awesome. (laughs) How does that translate Latin? Is there a Latin translation of Like, has that ever been in the exhortation? Like, I like totally, uh, he said prophets of doom and sour pusses. Like, I totally <laughs> highlighted those in my book. I'm like, that is so cool. Has Watch out for there? Michelle's new t-shirt. Seriously. <laughs> hey, okay. that is a good idea. That is a good idea. Well, yeah. it's not a good idea if you gift it to somebody. <laughs> Like, are you trying to tell me something? Like, what, what are you? Nothing. Just thought it was a cute T-shirt. Thought you might like it. That's funny. Thanks. That's awesome. But well, a conviction—it's convicting because it calls us to action. It mm-hmm. calls us to areas that we need to repent, be aware of. Mm-hmm. You know, like especially like individualism, sloth. Um, like I was so convicted. Just about all those things, you know, city living, um, even mentioned sex trafficking. There's just a lot mm-hmm. of things about living in community and living in Christian life mm-hmm. that um, he just brings up and, you know, that we should just dive right into chatting about today. So. Yeah, he doesn't let mm-hmm. us sweep it under the rug. And that's no. what no. I appreciate, Mm-mm. you know, because uh, hopefully we're beginning to learn as a church we can't sweep things under the rug. And that doesn't mean just as a body, but individually. We yeah. can't sweep things under the rug. You know, we become oh my gosh. very okay with a lot of our ways of not, not living it right. And so, yeah, I think we definitely have to get it out in the open. So he does a good job of that. It's, that's very true. And he he actually divides the chapter into two sections. So the first part of the chapter is some challenges in today's world. And then the second part is temptations faced by pastoral workers. So I thought maybe we could talk a bit about the first part. We'll, we'll talk about both, but uh, the challenges of today's world. And I, I noticing he was speaking about the challenges, especially of the idolatry of money and how money is really called to serve, but it's not called to be worshipped. And we can easily see that in society today, the worst, just the absolute worship of money and status and power and really to the exclusion of uh, anybody else. And I was very just struck by that reading it of his just continual reminding of that, you know, we cannot lose the power, the joy of the gospel and that we can't forget that there are other people in the world. Mm-hmm. I kept, I, you could, I, for me, you could summarize that first part of saying, it's not all about you. <laughs> there's, mm-hmm. there's other people in the world. And I think it's easy for us just to consume and not even realize that there's other people just the other people out there and they're on the other end. I know one of my friends does a fashion line and she was so convicted studying the fashion industry of how people even make clothes. Yes. And she just stopped even buying her clothes from companies that make, that do slave labor in China. She mm-hmm. was so convicted and mm-hmm. just things like that where you don't, you just consume and don't even realize it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. true. And there's a lot that we dispose of, you know, oh like my gosh, that yeah. was really convicting for me, like how much I participate in the disposable culture kind oh. of mindset. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's so much room for, for work to be done in, in those areas. And yeah, it's really convicting when you think about how many people don't have. And sometimes we think we don't have until mm-hmm. we compare ourselves to somebody else in another part of the world. And mm-hmm. here we are throwing away, you know, 40% of, of what we have, like in whether it be food or just clothes, like I'm done with this now or whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. we dispose of a lot of things that maybe if we don't need it, if we really don't need it, then we could give that to somebody else's need. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me it was just convicting. I think because it hit like on a personal level, 
Um, I know in our house, uh, Chris and I have been having these discussions, and Annie, uh, the lady that works with me, I've been having these discussions, like, where is the poor in our midst? Mm. You know, like, personally, like, for us, because Transform Beauty, we partner with a lot of organizations that are in third world or that fight sex trafficking, and yes, we're, like, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I'm already doing this, like, mm-hmm. check off my list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it was like a real, almost like punch between um, my eyes, in a way, and a gut check in my stomach and my heart and all that just like okay where's the poor in my midst in my city now mm-hmm. you know and um sister Miriam and I were driving up together yesterday and we were talking and I was telling her like I feel like there's a real stirring of the spirit right now I feel like there's a real special grace and outpouring of the Holy Spirit right now but one of the trademarks I think of an authentic um pouring out of spirit is its um connection to the poor Mm-hmm. you know, in the least of these. So where is the poor in the least of these in our midst? And like right now we're looking at office space for um, our nonprofit and our for-profit store. And one of it is right next to, it's on a Catholic church's property, but a homeless shelter. And it was really, when I went there, it's a beautiful little house. It's cute. It'd be great, but it's right next door. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love the poor in theory. Oh, that was so convicting when you said that yesterday. But I was yeah. like, this is going to be like <laughs> right, getting yeah. my hands dirty again, yep. you know? And yeah, I am great. And I will advocate for everyone across mm-hmm. the ocean. But really, am I really willing to get my hands dirty yes. and messy and um, yeah, and repenting of that, you know? Because my biggest, one of my biggest fears is God, you know, like we see people that need help or we see people that we, and we were the answer to that solution, God mm. chose us to be the answer and we didn't answer the call, mm. you know, to that, mm. you know, that we are the bridge, um, to bring the gospel to someone else in our midst, mm-hmm. you know, that's just a huge fear of mine. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's very convicting, you know? Oh, certainly. And, and he, he quotes in that particular part of the chapter, he says, uh, we have to live our human life to the fullest and to meet every challenge as a leaven of gospel witness in every culture and in every city it will make us better Christians and bear fruit in our cities, that there's no place that the gospel isn't called to be preached and, and different cultures have different needs. And I mean, he calls out, I, I just, it's fascinating when you look through this, he calls out non-Christian cultures. He calls out Christian cultures. One of the things he said, this one was really, I, I could only imagine how well that went over when people first read it, but it's true. He says, in the case of popular cultures of Catholic peoples, we can see deficiencies which need to be healed by the gospel. Things like machismo, alcoholism, domestic violence, low mass attendance, fatalistic or superstitious notions, which leads to sorcery and the like. Popular piety itself can be the starting point for healing and liberation from these deficiencies. And don't we, like you said, Heather, don't we hear those things are often swept, you know, swept under the rug as like, oh, that's mm-hmm. just culture. That's cultural Catholic. Yeah, but that's horrific. Yeah. You know? And we excuse it. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is, you know. And I think he's put Francis saying, "Okay, we cannot use the excuse. That's just how they are. That's not oh. the way it is. Mm-hmm. Like we don't get a get out of jail free card in the monopoly game of Catholicism. <laughs> of life, yeah, yeah. We have to be card carrying members of Fruits of the Spirit and living the Christian life boldly mm-hmm. and authentically. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's asking us to do. So yeah. and with integrity, that with means integrity, like, yeah. You know, in the little ways where no one will ever see, mm-hmm. and in the that's public so ways. Key. And sometimes yeah. it's easier to do it in the public ways. Mm-hmm. You know, like when there's a big campaign or when there's a big thing, and it's kind of brought right in front of your face. But to have a commitment to it interiorly in your own heart, to be like, I am committed to reaching out to the poor in tangible ways. You know, whether it be I'm going to carry dollar bills in my car, mm-hmm. and every time I, you know 
drive up or there's a homeless mm. person that I'm going to give money or food, mm-hmm. or, you know, have little packs ready or whatever it is. But I think there has to be a preparation on our part even That's good to be point. prepared to reach out to the poor so that we aren't rushing past people. And mm-hmm. I, I, um, I remember this one story about Mother Teresa, which is one of my favorites. She was in um, Calcutta and she was walking through the streets and she doesn't carry money with her or food or anything that was part of their order's commitment. And she came up to this man who was just laying on the street and he was dying and just looked horrible and she felt so sorry for him and was like lord what do i do like i have nothing to give this man like i have i have he needs food he needs money he needs all these things that i can't give him and so she she bent down and she said um I don't have any money to give you, um, but what I do have is Jesus. And she Mm. just hugged him, Mm. and he began to weep, and he said, no one has touched me in years. So really, for him, more than even food, although he needed food and he needed money and all of that, um, to to have somebody see him and be prepared to to reach out to him, mm-hmm. even though they may not have had what they thought was the right thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think no matter what our circumstances are, we are able to give to the poor. And I think it begins with seeing them and being prepared in our heart to see them before we even encounter them. Mm-hmm. Cause I know for me for a long time, oh, I would that's... just like walk past people on the street and I'm like, I don't even want to make eye contact because it would stir up so much in me. Like I would yes. feel so bad. I would feel so like, I would feel so sad for them. I would feel so deeply. And then I'd be afraid mm-hmm. too. I'm like, then what, if we get in a conversation, then what that's kind of scary. And I don't know what they might do mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever the judgments were, it's just my own fears that were coming up. And oh, that's yeah. one commitment that I made. I was like, I will make eye contact. I didn't want them to ask me for money or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I, I want to be prepared now. And this is what I've been doing for a while is I will make eye contact and say hello every time, you know? Um, and that as an introvert pushes me out of my comfort zone, just that, but of course there's other things that we can do, but I'm saying even in the little ways we, Mm -hmm. we need to begin growing in this. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Well, I love Michelle. You know, your story the other day, having somebody help you with this thing you were buying, like that, uh, buffet table. And I love how you just went into this convenience store and asked people to help you. I just love it. And those people, it was just what a great opportunity of the gospel that you're allowing them to serve. And they did it because you were so insistent. But I, I, I just, it's, I just absolutely love that story of you asking people for help and they help, you know, uh, yeah. in and, the hood, in the hood. And, <laughs> but just like the simple human contact of people that probably would never meet in any other way. And you needed help and they came to your assistance and you, you gave them opportunity to do a work of service and they were blessed by you as well. So it's often, we, I think we say this a lot. We make it so hard at times. Like it's gotta be this mm-hmm. big thing and we don't know the power of eye contact, the power of just stopping to be present mm-hmm. to people just in our day to day life that God sends us. Um, yeah. So maybe we can move into the second part of the chapter, which uh, is the temptations faced by pastoral workers. And he speaks a lot about, just being closed in on ourselves. He says, you know, yes to the challenge of missionary spirituality, no to selfishness and spiritual sloth, no to a sterile pessimism and yes to the new relationships brought by Christ. So you two, all of us really do serve the church in various capacities. What were your thoughts about the temptations faced by pastoral workers? Michelle, do you have any, I know you've got a few. (laughs) You're smirking. I can tell. (laughs) Like, what do we say into a microphone yeah, and what like, do we not say? How long do we have? And is this edited? I don't really. <laughs> yeah, this is where the whole sourpuss thing came and to play. But he also talks about prophets of doom. You know, mm-hmm. like the world is going to end. The church is so bad. The world is so bad. And mm-hmm. right now, um, he talks about the state of the union. 
in the previous part of the this chapter, he talks about the state of humanity, mm-hmm. that we're in a really state. And if you see things in humanity, it is easy to get discouraged. Mm-hmm. It is easy. Like with the shooting of the congressman mm-hmm. this week, mm-hmm. it is easy. Like our, um, especially our country feels very divided. Mm-hmm. You know, things feel very divided. And so there's lots of prophets of doom. Mm-hmm. You know, are people like, woe is me. This is, and this is where we're called to, instead of being prophets of doom, like switch it on its head and be agents of hope. Amen. You know, where are we bringing hope? Where are we looking Mm -hmm. at? But it's also, we have to get over ourselves and get out of our comfort zones, Mm -hmm. you know? And I know I'm very guilty. Like, I just want to stay at home. You know, I don't want to like, like we always used to say, we want to close that garage door. That means that you can't come over, you know, all that kind of good stuff. But no, it's like opening up our doors to people and it's a little uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know? And for me, especially if I have an idea of what the day is supposed to look like, oh. and this is my plan and this is the way it's supposed to go. Um, I'm really starting to realize the inconveniences are the important things that happen. That's so true. It's not the, um, that is so true. You know, yes, I need to meet my deadlines and have those things, but those inconveniences are divine appointments also that come into us like with neighbors and stuff like that. And, um, you know, just also being salt and light in the world. Mm -hmm. He's talks about a missionary Dianism, Dynamism night. I can't say that word. Dynamism. Thank you. You're so articulate. (laughs) Maybe you should host this. That's why you do. Because I can't say the exhortation part either. (laughs) Get those words all mixed up. But anyway, um, salt and light. And that's hard. Because salt means you go to unsavory places. Light, Light means you have to go to dark, murky places. And I think I've said this before on the podcast. I'm fine if I do it. It's when my children have to do it with me. Oh, you know, it yeah. is like for my idols, he talks about what are your idols? My idols are security and comfort, mm-hmm. you know, and especially security or comfort for my kids, you know, mm-hmm. um, like to go into those darker places, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and there's holding like that balance. Like you want your kids to be pure, but you don't want them to be naive to the ways of the world. So how do you do that? Oh, that's, those are you great know? questions. Like, how sure. do we do this? And there's not like a one size fits all answer. We're still trying to figure out. So, you know, where is God calling us to be salt and light in our family, you know, mm-hmm. in all of these places. Um, and we're still trying to figure it out. Like, I know. you know, we don't have all the answers right now, especially mm-hmm. since we've moved out of a place where we're in close community, mm-hmm. you know, and we're mm-hmm. in the city, quote unquote, now it's just hard and different. You mm-hmm. know, Heather, what about you? Yeah. I love the part about agents being agents of hope because that's one of the things I struggle with is being critical. Sometimes I'll see yeah. so many things happening in the world or even in the church, you know, that, that aren't very nice or, mm-hmm. you know, poor music and liturgy or whatever it is. It's so easy to just fall into the trap of being pessimistic about everything. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this is so bad. Or this was, you know, the priest homily was so bad, or this is so horrible. Mm -hmm. And this is happening in the world. This is terrible. ISIS and everything that we're hearing constantly through social media and the news, it absolutely can take us out. It can, Mm -hmm. it can make us despair and be like, we are going to hell in a handbasket. Like God come quickly. This is just, (laughs) Jesus come back soon. Yeah, exactly. And, and I I agree with you. What the world needs more than ever is hope. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is what the world needs. So how are we going to respond to all these things going on? It's to bring Jesus. And in the readings today, at least at the funeral we were at, mm-hmm. it was I don't that. know if there are the mass readings for today. <laughs> I don't know. Are the funeral okay. readings, like those are the standard funeral readings. Like, you know that, oh, that's going to be that one. Yeah. From yeah. wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. But it was so good because they're like, Lord, we don't know which way to go. Mm. And he said, I am the way. Amen. And 
uh, you know, I find myself praying that often to the Lord. Whenever I encounter something that is too big, too hard, I can't fix, whether it's a relationship disruption or something in the world that's too big. Like, Jesus, I don't know what to do, but you're the way. And so make a way. Amen. And, yeah. um, and I think... I know for me, I have to practice that more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Like just Jesus, you're the way, like show me the way I want to be following you. I don't want to sit here and expect you to do everything Mm -hmm. and just wait for you to do it. Like I want to be with you. I want to Mm -hmm. be partnering with you, um, to help bring hope to the world. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely easy to fall into being pessimistic or despairing. Um, but I think we do need to be people of hope and that starts in our own hearts and in our own families, in our own home. Like how do we speak around our children? How do we speak around our communities? How do we speak, you know, in our families? Like are we people of hope or are we critical and negative, you know, all the Mm -hmm. time? And and I definitely have to be on guard against Mm -hmm. that for sure. Mm -hmm. I was reading an interesting article. This has nothing to do with our segment today, but here it is. So, uh, it was about theology of the body and the fall of Adam and Eve. And the, the, uh, author of the article was saying that the, the principle, fault of Adam was cowardice, right? Because he wasn't protecting the garden. But he said the principal fault of Eve was dissatisfaction. Mm. And I was so struck by that, like what you're talking about, the complaining, I think especially for women, you know, it's easy That's just to kind of get out. together yeah. and just be like, just to bag on everything. And that, I've, I've, I've thought about that probably every day since, because I hear the words coming out of my mouth and I'm like, am I content with what God has given me? He's Because mm. he's given me so much. Mm-hmm. And am I just... You know, it's a, anyway, so I think that's easy thing to, to, mm-hmm. I totally hear you. And I was struck, I, I love these article or these lines here. The Pope says, which is kind of a summation for me of what his whole second part was. He says, to go out of ourselves and to join others is healthy for us. To be self-enclosed is to taste the bitter poison of imminence and humanity will be worse for every selfish choice we make. The gospel tells us constantly to run the risk of a face-to-face encounter with others, with their physical presence, which challenges us, with their pain, with their ideas, with their joy, with their pleas. They infect us in our close and continuous interaction. The Son of God, by becoming flesh, summoned us to a revolution of tenderness. Mm. (laughs) I'm like, do you see the underlined here? I was like on the airplane. That revelation of tenderness, you know, but okay. So, but this is what excites me. Mm -hmm. So when one person sees another person be brave or when one person sees another person be an agent of hope and Mm -hmm. says, okay, I am the answer to the, for the kingdom, for this situation, like say it's sex trafficking or say it's not, say it's for your neighbor next door, like a single mother, whatever it is. But when you see another person step out and be brave, it gives another person permission to be, well, I can be brave too. If she can do this, then I can do this. If this family can do this, then I can do this. If this guy does this, then I can do this. Like bravery breeds bravery, you know, virtue breeds virtue, hope breeds hope. And when we see that and step out, it creates a domino effect. Mm And that is what this is, is a domino effect, you mm. know, a revolution of tenderness, yes. you know, it's a revolution of tenderness of heart to humanity. Yeah. Like the way people speak to each other on social media, yes. like I wish I could find them like $25 every time I see it. Like mm-hmm. you just being nasty. Can we have like ugly please? Like, cause you're just being ugly and nasty. Mm-hmm. Like you don't speak to people that way. Which is easy to do behind a Twitter handle. It is it's so easy to like, do, you know, you know, but you can see it start carrying over that lack of respect of humanity yeah. that tenderness like okay you may not agree with them uh-huh. but shoot try a little tenderness you know like <laughs> come on you know but um yeah but it's just like we need that domino effect yeah. of bravery we need that domino effect of tenderness we need that domino effect of you know boldness being salt mm-hmm. and light and step out mm-hmm. take a risk in love mm-hmm. move it you know mm-hmm. um 
stop being sloths and sourpusses. You know, and that's yeah. how great movements in the world. Amen. Happen. Exactly, you know, it's, a, it's one or a few people who who make um, an incredible step out in whatever it is, mm-hmm. and people are willing to follow because it's good and it's yeah. true, and that's what people's hearts want. They mm-hmm. want the truth. They want goodness. And yeah, I, I I love that, Michelle. It's absolutely true. And I think the Holy Father is such a beautiful example because look at what he's bombarded with every day. He knows everything that's happening oh, you within the oh church, within the world. And his joy is unbelievable. And mm-hmm. I that's one of the questions I would love to ask him is how do you maintain your joy mm-hmm. in the midst of knowing all of these things that are going horribly wrong? Like, how do you do that? You know, mm-hmm. and... And the only answer I can come up with in my head is it's a pure cooperation with grace mm-hmm. it's just, and, and deep relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. knowing that he has it. He has it all under control. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, he closes the chapter saying, number 109, he says, challenges exist to be overcome. <laughs> so let us be realist, but without losing our joy, our boldness, and our hope-filled commitment, let us not allow ourselves to be robbed of missionary vigor. Mm. So he's not trying to sweep things under the carpet, and he's not being a prophet of doom, but he's saying, look, people, here's the reality, and this is what we need to do. And so we have to allow the gospel to infect society every person you know in small ways big ways but it's got to become the seedbed of the joy of of our lives yeah you know? absolutely mm, yeah, yeah. so awesome <laughs> i love our holy father <laughs> i just i do and you know it's one of those things i'm seeing all of these people that you we either know or like one step away from somebody that we know mm-hmm. who are meeting him and i'm like he just oh, know, seems so yeah. accessible i'm like Hello, my sister got to meet him i know michelle she saw that on the pictures. facebook matt marr and his wife meeting him you know oh, the Medical movement yeah. was Francis Chan there. I think somebody said yes. they spotted him in the crowd. Yeah, Sarah Bessie got yeah. met to meet him. It's just a lot of cool yeah. ecumenical people. And I people. love that. I'm yeah. like, there's seven billion people in the world, and somehow he seems to be meeting with everybody. So. Yeah, except us. We I know. Oh, I know. I'm still waiting for our invitation. We should send him a mug, like a <laughs> yeah. coffee mug for inviting together. I want to meet you for coffee on the Spanish stairs in Rome. He totally he, would. Yeah, so just, well, you he might that? sneak out. Apparently, uh, he does. Yeah, seriously. Can we do that? <laughs> oh, but yeah, and um. Yeah, he's calling us to a boldness, but he's calling us, like you said, to the tenderness. Mm-hmm. But he's calling us at the very end of that chapter. He talks about what you were saying, sister, mm-hmm. you know, just the agents of hope. But he also talks about women having a special role. The feminine yes. genius needs Thank to be an answer. Mm-hmm. And all, um, and he said, the feminine genius needs to be an answer in all areas. Like, can we yeah. capitalize all mm-hmm. areas of society? Because we are mother and the church is mother. We yeah. need to mean that nurture, life bearing, um, powerful effects mm-hmm. to the church. And mm-hmm. that is what he is asking us to. Mm-hmm. And no you matter know, what your state in life. No like matter what your state life. Everyone is called to be... Life bearers, uh, truth life tellers. Bearers. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. mothers. And mothers. In whatever way. In whatever mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. So, which is exciting. Yeah. You know, for me, I feel like the joy of the gospel is um, like a big pep rally. You know? Yeah. Like, come on. You know? Yeah. Game on. Let's go. Let's mm-hmm. get it out there. You know, like, we got a gospel to win. And he does. When he talks about women, also, their service in the church and in the world, you know, he does a great job of differentiating between the ministerial priesthood. When he gives such a great explanation of that, yes. mm-hmm. of why that's reserved to men. But then he said it's not about this kind of hierarchy idea. It's a role of service. And he said, so how how are women called? Like, this? let's not confuse the calling, which which people always go to that, don't oh, they? Oh, yes, they do. And it's yeah. a total misunderstanding of vocation versus service. And uh, so I love that. That he really does a great job of explaining that and then calls women and talks about Mary and just her, her role in the church and, and how we're called, yeah, to give the gift of the feminine genius in all 
aspects, all yeah. aspects of life. Yeah, and that's and important, important for decisions are made. Yeah. yeah, it's important for women to understand that just because they're not priests doesn't mean that they're not supposed to serve in the no, church or have uh, a voice in the church. Even, yeah, you know? or just be a lector. Like that's not even that's that's just like <laughs> yeah one percent of the yeah yeah. Well, I mean, you all know, like we designed a shirt. Feminine genius, we did alongside Blessed Is She, but the whole idea of that shirt came along with I was praying along with Letter to Women when we were talking oh. about when we were going through it. When we were talking mm-hmm. about Genius of Women, the four of us, mm-hmm. three of us did the podcast on the four parts of that. And I was praying about it, and Pope Francis says, you know, we need to have more definition and clarification of the role of women, not ministerial priesthood, but mm-hmm. the role of women and the church. And I was just frustrated with the situation. I'm like, Lord, where are these conversations yeah. happening about feminine genius? Where is it? And it was one of those times where I felt in the spirit of the Lord speaking to me said, start the conversations that matter. Exactly. You start having the conversation. <laughs> like, okay, you well, are the church, you know, like <laughs> exactly. you're Vatican II, Lumen Gentium, you are the church. Start the conversations. Amen. And that's part of the reason like we're all together this weekend is we're gathering with a group of women to start the conversation. What does feminine genius look like in the church? Mm-hmm. And it looks like abundance. It looks like all women have a place at the table. It looks Mm -hmm. like, you know, and he talks about in this even part about communities, you know, warring against each other. Like we are all for each other. Mm -hmm. It drives me insane. I could talk about this forever. When (laughs) ministries compete with each other. Are you kidding me? You know, it says the harvest is plenty. The laborers are few. There are plenty of people that need the kingdom of God. We got plenty of people. There's no need to um, She's getting fired up, y'all. Brace yourself. You know, so it's just like, okay, we got jobs to do. Stop fighting with each other. You know, there's so many people who are hurting in the world. And, and, you know, to be honest, like there's so many people hurting in the church. Exactly. Uh, And it's time to begin healing so that we can allow, you know, the, the, um, resurrecting power of Christ to be born in our own hearts so that we can give that to the world. Like there's just no time to be sitting around oh, I agree. Um, having That's a pity party or thinking that we don't have a place or, or just whatever. keeping the status quo. Like it, let's just exactly. keep it the way it can't stay. Yeah, this is, is how we've always done it. Oh my you gosh. Know? Like, yeah. I mean yeah. that, that those kind of mentalities have to be rooted out and it's stuff that we have to repent of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something we just go, Oh man, I feel so convicted. Okay. Well then get your butt to confession <laughs> and come up with <laughs> an action plan. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I just feel that more and more like Mm -hmm. it's okay for us to begin to step out and, you know, be the change that we, that we want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes we think that it has to be, that that's too big for us Mm -hmm. or that's grand gestures. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it can be in your smallest circle to be the change, to be like, it has to be, it has to start there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It has to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we hope you enjoy chapter two as well. So ladies, we're going to talk about our one thing here running out of time. Um, so Michelle, you showed me your one thing that was yes. really beautiful. My yeah. one thing, um, I'm in a private Facebook group, um, for Catholic creatives and, um, I came across a girl. We became friends on Facebook, um, Kate Capato, and she has, um, a website called visual grace art and check it out. Her artwork is stunning. Mm -hmm. It is beautiful. It is total beauty, truth, and goodness, um, on dynamite. Like it is just a gorgeous work. And she just did a beautiful work on song of Solomon's. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things when I look at her work, it um, takes my breath away and just, 
it totally lifts my gaze up to Amen. the creator. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is some beautiful stuff. So it's called Visual Grace by Kate Capato. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your one thing, sister? Well, this is kind of boring, but okay, so it's summer and I live in the south. And so I'm all about drinking water. I know this is like the lamest thing you've ever heard, but I try it. No, people, listen, if you don't stay hydrated, bad things happen. So I'm drinking a gallon of water a day, right? I'm trying to drink a gallon of water a day and I love fresh citrus in my water. So right now I'm next to I've got a glass with lemon slice. I do lime. Sometimes cucumber is nice too. But what I found is that when I drink a lot of water, it makes me feel better. And I also snack less. So if, especially like in the afternoon, if you're feeling snacky, probably a lot of times you're just dehydrated. So mm. if you drink water first, you know, sorry, science like biology 101, you might not go to the snack. So, but especially in the summertime when we're, you know, sweating and stuff, but drink a lot of water. So my, it's hydration. Is this the most boring thing you've ever heard in the history of this podcast? Hydration back. is my one thing, people. Hydration. Bring it on. That's what Michelle and I are drinking drinking our coffee we're like sister Sister. why are you drinking i'm gonna have coffee later no it looks too good see i feel tempted right Uh well my one thing is um is this gathering that we're having this weekend Mm -hmm. uh called greenhouse it's something that you know god really put on michelle's heart as a vision to begin to gather women um together to pray and to just have a place of safety to grow to be nurtured to support one another and and I think that, you know, it's so simple in so many ways. We, I think we make things way too complicated. It's so simple. But the investment of actually doing it is mm-hmm. the beauty of what's yeah. happening, is that people are actually investing to come together and uh, make the time in their schedules. And so I just want to say that even as an encouragement um, to those of you listening, no matter where you are, I think there's an opportunity for you to come together with the women in your community, or maybe it's even friends that live far away, but you feel very connected to them, um, that maybe you need to set aside a day or an afternoon or yeah. a dinner or a weekend, um, to get together, to have meaningful conversation, to connect deeply, to be committed to journeying with one another and allowing one another's voices and gifts to come out. I mean, the world needs you and, oh. um, your communities need you. So mm-hmm. that's my one thing. Oh, well, thank you for joining us on our second part of our five-part series on the apostolic exhortation of the joy of the gospel. If you enjoyed this episode, would you please share it with a friend? You can go to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com. Subscribe to us. You can find us on iTunes. If you give us a rating, that would really help us uh, just get the message out. And until next week, we'll start uh, chapter three. So God bless you and don't be a sourpuss. <laughs> <laughs>